I'm Ryan Katsanis from Vancouver, Washington. Welcome to the Candid Frame. Nelson Mandela said, he learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. It's a sentiment that is invaluable, not only when you're combating inequality and injustice, it's also true when your personal dreams and aspirations come up against insecurity, self-doubt, and fear. It was this shared awareness of the role of fear in their creative lives that brought together photographers Sarah Marie Rooney and Sasha Dylan Bell to collaborate on a series of conceptual portraits they called Fear of Dreaming. Though they each had achieved success in their respective creative careers, Sarah in musical theater and Sasha in film, they each found themselves wrestling with fear as they strived to express themselves through photography. I just fin- I just started a, a six month job on something, and at the beginning, I had a week long meltdown just in the company I was keeping, and I was, and that's not unusual, and that's 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 the plus is knowing that it's not unusual, and even though I was sweating it, I was like, it, just get through it, just keep your head down, just do what you do, and trust that it'll. I've learned that though, that's come over a, a long period of time. When you're, tr- when you're in a new medium, though, it's amplified for sure. And that was certainly part of the decision to do it. It was like, all right, let's just do it. Let's just do it. Like, you know, get in there and, uh, and face this stuff. Their work culminated not only in a limited-run book, but a pop-up interactive exhibition, which invited people to write down their own fears as part of the installation. It resulted in an intimate experience of not only the photographs, but the very feelings that inspired them. Many people wrote about fear of um, not having enough money to survive. Really heavy stuff. And, you know, not only, it didn't stop there. People actually talked about it. People on the night, you know, were all dressed up and it's like a hype, hype, hype. And people were really talking to me about fear, like what they were afraid of and thanking me and thanking Sasha for having this opportunity to like, express themselves. Somebody said that they had never, ever, ever said what they were truly afraid of, and they did it on the night. We'll talk to Sarah and Sasha about their unique collaboration and how they survived and thrived after their own worst creative moments. This is Ibarri and X, and welcome back to The Candid Frame. So thanks for coming down, for coming up. Thank you for having having us. You had a long drive from... From the beach. The LB. The LB. Oh, my. You get, you get, you get the lingo down, huh? All of three months, and I'm, <laughs> I'm totally local now. The LB. I don't know if that's a thing, actually. Well, <laughs> Maybe it, it is. Be, yeah. It is now. <laughs> the Dina. I think that's what that's up here. The Dina. I don't know if anyone refers to it as the Dina. The Dina. The LB, the Dina. the Dina, and WeHo is yep. up in this. And we live in La. La La. La, La man. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm, I'm real pleased to sit down with you guys because I, I didn't go, get to go to your opening, but I did get to see a presentation in Pasadena. And I'd seen the work, but I was really struck by the presentation, especially because of sort of the topic of fear, which is something I've talked about before on, on the show. But it was really kind of interesting for me to hear you guys sort of touch on it in terms of 
that that was sort of the germ of the collaboration between the two of you. So how did that sort of come about? Where did the discussion come, you know, begin that you guys thought you wanted to work together, but that you wanted to tackle this idea of fearing of dreaming? Um, I think that we both have this sense of the same fear, right? As artists and collaborators and working together, there is a sense of being afraid, afraid of what's going to happen next to how you're going to move forward with your dreams. And so we sat down together one day and said, we want to do something more. We were street shooting at the time, um, working together, having a great time, fluidly working together. And we said, you know, let's just we're both afraid of this, right? I'm afraid of maybe lighting or I'm afraid of, you know, this like technical photography skills, right? And we wanted to try something different. We wanted to push our boundaries and we started out actually trying to just do something totally different in a collaboration. So, Sasha, I'm going to leave it over to you. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's honestly, it was just a, a chance to work together and do something a bit more substantial. And the second, the idea of fear, well, um, we mentioned this at the uh, open show. There was this, this this feeling as as new photographers in a lot of ways, even though we've been doing it a little while for ourselves, this idea of doing something with more sub- substance felt like frauds in a lot of ways. <laughs> and uh, this is something uh, I can only speak for myself, and I'm sure Sarah s- shares this. I felt like a fraud throughout my creative career. I do every job, even now, uh, aside from my photography, every job. And I have to keep reminding myself of this. So the idea of doing a project that just puts it out on Front Street, Mm -hmm. tacks it head on and goes, all right, we're afraid of this, guys, and like it or don't like it, we're putting it out there. And I don't think there was a sense that we would necessarily put it out there at the time, but as right. as things as things progressed, you know that was the natural natural way it went, and I think that the idea of this fear and facing that fear that was part of it. If I, am I making sense? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. To but, me. but but define sort of the fear because one of the things is people think they understand what fear is. Everyone knows what it feels like, but both of you are, are going to attempt to create something together. So how each of you sort of experience fears, how it manifests in, in your body and in your head is, can be very, very different. So can you talk about how you sort of each came to understand how the other experienced fear creatively? Interesting. Uh, that's a really interesting question. I, I mean, I'm sure we both have answers to this, but for me, it was a question of searching some of the feelings that I was going through and finding a way to express that, which is where the idea for both of us uh, came through of having a dancer, having someone who could really express some of our emotions, physically uh, bold gestures, violent gestures, gentle gestures, the idea of fear, the idea of creativity. And we trusted, I think that's, I think that's, I think it's safe to say we just trusted that our, our working collaboration up to that point was such that we could just on the day just give and take if uh yeah i think that's probably the clearest way i can think to to say it to give and take and allow each other to explore with the dancer kind of translating some of these emotions and then it'd be me shooting and then sarah shooting and sometimes we're shooting together and uh when we weren't shooting we were supporting each other but I think, well, for me, I knew when I had the shots that I needed and I was, I, I, I let it, I, it was like your turn, <laughs> right? I mean. Absolutely. Yeah. We, it was a dance for us, you know, as photographers dancing together, I think we have a rhythm when we work together. Then we have a dancer physically dancing, so it's easy to go around. But in order to communicate that fear, 
you know, individually, but come up with a body of work. I think that's because it's partly a universal theme, right? As artists, as people, as human beings, we all experience fear, this fear of thinking outside the box, thinking bigger, thinking, pushing past, going further, you know, taking risks and being afraid to fail, being afraid to succeed as well. You know, it's not just fear of failure, but sometimes it's fear of success, you know, because now you've got to show up, you got to be there and you got to have your A game and you're going to be challenged in a different way. And then it's going to go to the next level. And so that's scary and exciting and exhilarating. So I think this sense of humanity that we all feel this helped us end up with a body of work that makes sense. And at the same time, we also worked together on, we both come from film and and then theater backgrounds, right? So we have a production, I think, going on here. Yeah. You know, it's a production. It's it's not just shots. We, we worked in movements, actually. Mm. So it was very musical. Music was a big part of our shoot. Definitely. Dance, physicality, visceral emotions were part of it. And we had certain shots that we wanted to take, of course, because, you know, we worked as a production. So we had, you know, set pieces and props and costume changes and makeup changes, hair changes, and so we, we each had certain things that we really wanted out of that. And it was amazing to see how much preparation went into it, but then luck on the day and our, you know, just style fitting together. What happened? You know, the magic happened when we started <laughs> getting into the, the after, you know, looking into our pictures together. The, the project has a series of sequences, chapters, basically sort of illustrating navigating through fear. So tell me about how you guys came to you know, wanting to demark the whole process of experiencing moving through and moving past, past fear. Well, for me, it was um, a way of putting, uh, it's almost a way of giving hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was like, it was like uh, getting through my own fears by channeling them through another character. It was a way of disconnecting a little bit. It's like this character we can see the birth of fear uh, and in the project we, we, we see that, we physically see that and then we see the violence of fear and we see, you know, the twisted nature of fear. But as the as the project progresses, the, she kind of transforms more into her creativity and finding this flow. And, and, and we're very conscious of that, by the way. We wanted her, her movement to change mm-hmm. with, with that change. But the idea is, for me, was at the end it would be, <laughs> you know, this idea of, yes, you got, through, you got through at least this stage of feeling this fear. Yeah, I mean, that's, that, was, that was what it was for me. Yeah, I think for me it's a circle and it always comes back around. Fear always is lurking behind my back. You know, there's the next thing. There's always the next thing. So it was a surprise to see in the pictures that we end the book with um, a picture called The End or the Beginning. And it's she's gone through this whole transformation into light and seeing the light and it's playful and joyous. And when we showed it at the open show um, in Pasadena a couple of weeks ago, when we got to the pictures of light, there was this enormous sigh. I don't know if you felt it, but there was just this oh, relief. that I felt that relief. Yes, I was so grateful to be out of the fear and into the light, but yet it comes around again. You know, so the last picture in, in our series as it stands is she's got fear on her back. And I think that's something that, I don't know, that demarcation of movements and chapters, looking at the, at this as very clear 
points in your life. And it does, it could be micro points in your life. You know, it doesn't have to be a big project or a big event. It could just be something like your day, you know, your, your hour, your minute, you know, that you have all of these stages and it's a circle and it comes back around again. And then you pull yourself back up and you shine and you succeed. And then there's the next thing, whether it's because you're choosing things that way or because circumstances or because it's just how I guess the life cycle works, maybe. Yeah. You know, what was interesting for me, and one of the reasons that really inspired me to bring you guys on, was that each of you in your, in, in your lives have had successes in your respective careers. You as a singer and in musical theater and education, and you as an editor and director and a writer. And it was really interesting that, you know, you mentioned earlier about always feeling like a fraud and probably feeling fear throughout, but... A lot of people, when they look at your careers, they see what you've managed to accomplish. And and for me, the whole idea is, it's kind of interesting that in a variety of different ways, you've achieved success that a lot of other people would admire, but that doesn't eliminate the possibility that fear will manifest itself when you get, go into some other realm of creativity. And it's kind of interesting that the, it's like, you know, your credits aren't transferable. <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't even, even, even the credits that we have are uh, within, yes, exactly, yeah, so, uh, yeah, full I mean, of fear. Absolutely. I just, fin- I just started a, a six month job on something. And at the beginning I had a week long meltdown just in the company I was keeping. And I was, and that's not unusual. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's the plus mm-hmm. is knowing that it's not unusual. And even though I was sweating it, I was like, I, it, just get through it. Just keep your head down. Just do what you do and trust that it'll... I've learned that, though. That's mm-hmm. come over a long period of time. When you're, tr- when you're in a new medium, though, it's amplified for sure. Mm-hmm. And that was certainly part of the decision to do it. It was like, all right, let's just do it. Let's <laughs> just do it. Like, you know, get in there and, and face this stuff. It doesn't make it go away, though. Not for me. Not for, not for you either, right? No, I mean... I, as a singer and educator, all of those things that you mentioned, absolutely. And some I was more confident with. And But my personal singing on stage with a piano and recitals and languages and concerts, just me and, you know, all the audience. And it was always terrifying. And I had meltdowns all the time. You know, I mean, there was a, a my first, my first meltdown was uh, before my very first recital that I was producing myself. And I really don't tell the story very often, but it is worth sharing, I think, while we're being vulnerable about this project, right? So, um, yeah, and I was in Fred Meyer's at the store in Oregon, and I just saw somebody doing their job um, at like nine o'clock on a Friday night, and I was about to go into my dress rehearsal the next day, and then my very first performance, I was very, you know, young. And I literally fell on the ground crying because I was like, I just want a job without, although that person probably had a lot of pressure (laughs) that I don't know about. Mm My perception was, I just want something that I don't have to be so afraid of, you know, because if you mess up, if you forget a lyric, if you drop a beat, if you, you know, gosh forbid, sing off pitch, you know, you're, you're ruined, you know, in my mind. It's like, ah. is, isn't <laughs> too it, tough. Isn't it weird, though, that uh, the second you stop caring, the work, it's like, I know. It, it, it's, I don't know, it's almost like you care, which is, which is why you're afraid that you're not going to service yes. the end goal, the yeah. end and what you really want to kind of get out yeah. into the world, you know? Absolutely. It's interesting that you get both chose the word meltdown, that you had a meltdown. <laughs> it was a meltdown. Right? <laughs> I can't think <laughs> but, of a better way to say it. <laughs> but that didn't 
bring an end to your respective right. careers, right? No, no, it was the first start. <laughs> but still, talk talk about that because that that moment of absolutely being in despair is part of what keeps people from doing it. True. So True. what what allowed you, despite the fact that you felt like you were literally going to die in, <laughs> in those moments, Yeah. and you may not know how you're going to get through it, but you did, but what was it? What variety of things, or maybe a singular thing, what, was it, what were those things that allowed you to sort of move past that absolute despairing, mm-hmm. panic, fear, and still do what you needed to do? I think it's passion. You know, I, I am an artist in my soul, you know, creatively, whether I'm a singer then or photography now, I love sharing, you know, I love being on stage, so to speak, you know, and, you know, something my dad always told me was when I'd go, you know, for singing that it was, you know, you know, this the best in this moment in time, nobody else can do it like you right now, you know, somebody else might be able to do it you know, he didn't get into all that, but you know, my brain Mm -hmm. processed it like that. But it's that I right now am, I've practiced, I've practiced to practice the 25,000 hours, you know, it takes. And I know it right now. So I would just kind of come back to that, you know, a passion. I loved it. It's who I am. It's a chance to be, you know, expressive with people and share. And at the same time, just kind of falling back on that sense of like, you know, I've done this so many times I can do it. I can do it, you know? But it's hard to it's yeah. hard to pull out. But yeah, there's you know joy. And there's something to be said for um, putting yourself in a position where you can't really pull out. The consequences mm. are too too big. Uh, the first time I had a meltdown, I'm doing inverted co- uh, quotation marks, whatever, was my first big feature. When I was cutting my first feature, I was working with a big Australian cast. I was working with a very famous Australian director. I was so a fish out of water, it was ridiculous. I somehow locked in, locked into this uh, opportunity. But uh, there was some real technical uh, challenges with that film. At the time, no fil- film had ever been shot in the world on this particular technology. And I won't bore everyone with post-production uh, jargon, but it was beyond a challenge of just telling the story. It was a challenge of, um, uh, of dealing with the technical and, uh, you know, the barrage of dailies, dailies being footage coming through every day. And long story short was, uh, that first week, I, I'm sure I lost most of my hair, which is where I'm at right now. (laughs) Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't not like, I'd put myself in this position where I could not leave. It was too big. I'd worked too hard to get to this point, even though I didn't think I was going to get through it. I didn't really have a choice. So I just did what I knew how to do at the time, which was just do the work. I know it's uh, crazy and I know the hours are crazy and just do the work. Cut to that film having all kinds of success and me kind of growing as an artist through that and me having these experiences even to this day. I think now I consciously or subconsciously or I don't even really know what, I, I think I put myself in a position where I'm, mm. where I can't pull out. Certainly true with this project. It's definitely true with the last thing I mentioned, uh, this, this project I've just come off. I think I'm looking for those opportunities because if I don't, I'm not going to grow and I really want to grow. I want to grow as an artist. I want to share. I want to, I want to get better and that only happens by putting yourself in these uncomfortable positions, you know. Oh, I've learned that so many, so many times. Anytime I'm resistant to doing something or uncomfortable, that's usually the very thing that I need to be doing. Because if I just play it safe, I'm just retreading. And if I do it for too long, I get incredibly frustrated. 
Um, part of your ability to get past those moments, what, how much of it was it that you were relying on your confidence in terms of the technical you in terms of singing and you know you know what you need to do with your voice and with your body and you just the skills that you had practiced in terms of working with you know film and, and in terms of telling a story or narrative how much of it was the fact that you knew that and how did that compare to your experience as photographers where you didn't feel like you may have had all the as much knowledge as you would have liked to have had as compared to what you're doing before does that make sense hmm. yeah it does definitely um so from a singing perspective, you know, if I pull myself out of the emotional thought of it, right, I can fall back on my credentials and I can say, you know, yes, technically I know what I'm doing. And, and then you push and then that voice creeps in and says, but there's always somebody better or there's always something more, mm, you know, yeah. and so you go, okay, get away, get away. And then it's, I think to the last question as well, it's risk and reward, right? So the risk is great, but the reward when you succeed is it's a high, it's an adrenaline rush. It's the feeling with all these people applauding you and the, the after this, you know, after the show, congratulations and the feeling of just like your own accomplishment, you know, is wonderful. So that I think can be, you know, fueling some of that fire too, you know? And then I, f I find like when we approach fear of dreaming or photography in general, it's also a risk and reward going out on the street and, you know, you don't know what you're going to run into, but the reward of capturing that picture or having somebody, an interaction that you wouldn't have had otherwise, those are great, you know, rewards. I think that absolutely we went into this project, I, certainly me, I think the two of us, Sasha, would agree, is that we went into this knowing we did not know a lot of things. You know, we wanted to test out some, it's funny stories, but we can tell later if you want, but like the lighting, we wanted to test out lighting, we wanted to test out some of the backlighting from the, the sun that was going to come through, which is why we rented the studio with this big window. And none of those things happened <laughs> and we were, you know, but it, um, you know, we knew we, we kept saying, we're going to just play. We just want to play. We just want to experiment. We just want to try new things. And at the same time, the professionals in us pulling from our backgrounds needed to have it super organized and have it super conceptualized and have it very much down to a T and at the same time, we wanted it to just be like, you know, throwing cards in the air and seeing what landed. That, that's true of filmmaking. It, it's, it's that thing of being so prepared that you're allowed to just get on, on set and, uh, and, and let things happen. It's like if you're prepared, you can allow things to happen. Mm. That was certainly something that gave me confidence going into Fear and Dreaming. But I'd, I'd also say that what gave me confidence in Fear of Dreaming was knowing that you were there. Oh. Because uh, I'm pointing to Sarah, by the way. <laughs> that was a big thing because it did. It gave us permission to play. And we, we did keep saying that. We were like the, the professionalists were both so focused when it came to pre preparations, but we kept on having those conversations in the lead up of, hey, you know, there's maybe two shots that we really want to get or this shot or this shot, but, hey, let's be mindful just to let, Bethany, our amazing performer who deserves a shout out, Bethany. Yeah, um, Bethany Coyle. <laughs> yeah, letting her play and letting her uh, letting her show us things that we can discover. And um, I think the preparation helped and having each other helped. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Having each other, having Sasha there all through the entire process, even up to right now as we're speaking, is wonderful. It's been a journey, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah. You guys are nice and in sync in, with each other. <laughs> 
Uh, we discovered that the first time we shot together, which was in your class, actually. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, this street shooting class, we, we just happened to get paired together mm-hmm. um, and we just found a fluidity. We found a support. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There was there was this idea of I think we both very quickly saw oh you're seeing that how can I help or how do I not get in the way yep and vice versa right absolutely and we went out and shot a couple more times before we realised hey this symbiosis kind of works how do we how do we put this into something with meat you know yeah yeah something a little more planned yet completely spontaneous <laughs> on the day <laughs> yeah what you just mentioned I thought was one of the more interesting aspects of of, of the project. Because you had mentioned that there were certain shots that you wanted to get. And it was great to hear and see that you guys allowed sort of the unexpected, those welcome surprises. Because I think sometimes fear can control the process too much to the point that you create exactly what you intended to create. And I think that's all well and good, but there's something about serendipity, the unexpected, those surprises that really can elevate any form of art, but in particular photography, to a whole new level. I know some people are very exacting in terms of their compositions, and you know, kudos t- to them. Right. But for me, yeah, I for me it can't work that way because I feel like I I rely on the things beyond what I could have formulated, anticipated to to play into it, and that's really sort of an important part of of not letting fear own you in those moments, especially when you're being creative. Because fear oftentimes is sort of leading up to the moment. Yes. And oh. the only solution for it is to actually just throw yourself into yeah. the pool and start making the work. Yeah. Uh, those first shots, uh, it's, it's true when, you, when you're directing film as well. I, those first shots are the worst. And it was yeah. so awkward. <laughs> it was so awkward. Do you remember? <laughs> yes. When we, when we first got in there, I think Sarah shot first yeah. and it was this whole, who should shoot first? There was this whole awkwardness. And then it was this awkwardness as we both sh- composed the shots. But as Bethany started to move, there was this moment. I felt it. I don't know when it hit you, but I remember going, oh, I see the shot I want. And then yeah. you saw me do that yep. reaction yep. and you went, Absolutely. what Off do you, you see? Go. You said, yeah. what do you see? What do you see? And I go, uh, uh, this, uh, I said, uh, it's okay. I'll, I'll do it when you're finished. I'll do it when you, no, you said, you go, you go, <laughs> you, go. You, go. you see the exactly. shot, go. And then all of a sudden it was on. It was on. It was on. And it's, and it's true yeah. for most things that yeah. I've ever worked on is Absolutely. getting those first steps is a, it's not easy. You know? Back to singing. It's, you know, those first three or four or five pass, you know, notes, passages, phrases, whatever. It's like, oh my gosh, my heart, my heart, my heart, breathing, thinking about all the technical. And then. And then the rest of the hour, two hours, it's gone. Yeah. I don't even know, you know, but that was exactly like that. Like you just have to click the button, <laughs> click the button like X amount of times and then everything's going to be fine. You just go into your creative yeah. space. Well, I want each of you to share a moment of failure that you guys experience in your respective careers, because that's one of the biggest fears. You mentioned it's either fear of failure or fear of success. So let's talk about failure. Oh my God, this is something I never, okay. So this is like in our past, like my singing. Uh Okay. Okay. Well, you know what? I hope by saying this out loud, because I've never really said it, but I hope saying it out loud will make me forget about it or come to grips with it a little bit better. But I did forget um, a lyric in a recital and it was awful. It was like your worst fear. Like literally I've mentioned it, alluded to it earlier, worst fear. I was singing a Clara Schumann piece um, for Wendley Ben Laban song cycle. And I'd sung that cycle, you know, for a couple of years previously, not regularly, but 
you know, and I rested on my laurels. I was like, oh, I've done this before. I didn't practice practice it as much as I should have or probably should have, you know. I mean, I had done it, but for this particular event, oh, that will haunt me for the rest of my life, you know, missing it. And just the piano player, my who is my regular accompanist, we worked together for four or five years, and he just kept starting the song over and over again. And I'm like, can't think of what to say. Can't think of what to say in seeing the audience's face suddenly realize that there was a problem yeah. and panicking. And um, yeah, and, and I've always been very true with my performances, you know, that vulnerability in the character of whoever I was singing or portraying. So I just owned it and I said, I'm super sorry or something like that. I don't know what I said, but I stopped, which is like a really big no-no mm-hmm. <laughs> in the performance world. And I walked over to the piano and I looked at the music and I gathered my thoughts for a second, which seemed like 7,000 years. And then I came back and we continued and I had to finish. That was in the first half of the performance. And then I had to take an intermission and come back for the second act. I couldn't have gotten out of that performance faster. Like that was such a hard thing to have happen to me. And I don't know, maybe it sounds crazy to the listeners. How, how did or the not, audience but, react when you came back and you just... Um, they were kind and nobody, you know, there was... I saw one person kind of rolling her eyes. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. Oh, well, we have a tendency so. to be, there are a thousand people in the room, we find the one, right? I sound like I need therapy, right? Oh, I, no, because I, no, I'm, I'm the same way. Thank there can be a thousand people in the room, yeah. I'm doing a presentation, oh, and then there's one guy who's like, has his arm crossed and shaking his head, and I'll be fixated on that one guy, even though everybody else thought I, I was wondering. How do we find that person? I know. <laughs> oh, my God. She was like out of the back, all the way in the back, and I don't have you know good sight, so I don't know how I saw her. <laughs> Thanks, mom. She, yeah. she, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, mom. <laughs> clap, clap, clap. <laughs> she was throwing the tomatoes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was a bit, to your probably to your point, it was a way bigger deal in my mind than it was to anybody else, and I'm sure anybody that listens to this that would have seen that concert would probably not even know what I'm talking about at this point. But you know, to me, it was like the Biggest failure you can have on stage, mm-hmm. literally. I mean, I would have rather fallen, <laughs> you know, or, you know, I don't even know what. But yeah, that was that was pretty bad. So, but I got up, that was early in my career as well. And I got up and I did many more recitals after that. Wow. And you kept going. And I kept going and I just kept thinking, well, it's only going to happen once in your life. So I got, at least I got it out. <laughs> at least I did it. And <laughs> now I don't have to worry about doing that again. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> wow. Um, I can't. I can't think of a specific thing in my creative career. I'm, there's there's so many, and I think I'm blocking them out right now. I'll put it on the spot. But one thing I do struggle with, and have struggled with, and continue to is um, is this idea of failure with time. So I have wanted to be a creator since I could walk, and forever, for decades, I wasted time avoiding that. And I did. I avoided it. I, I don't have the money. I, 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 I need to do this. I need to do that. All this idea of avoiding this idea of failing. I didn't know it at the time. I can identify it now. Until one day I woke up and I was like, I need to do this. I need to do it right now. I'm constantly battling that. I'm constantly battling meeting amazing 20-year-olds who have incredible work. And I'm constantly amazed at, at everyone around me, to be honest with you. But this idea of 
I've failed because I've lost 20 years of my life or I've failed because of this, you know. It's something that, yeah, it's something that that, that certainly fuels me, uh, but it's not not easy to deal with. Oh, I go through that all the time. (laughs) Seriously, especially when I teach the classes and I see people, you know, 20, 30 years younger than me and they just kick ass and they produce amazing stuff and I just go, oh, what the hell was I doing with my life? Yeah, right. <laughs> but, yeah. but I think everyone comes to it at a different place. Because you know, right now, I think right now is the most confident I've ever felt about myself. That's period. Awesome. First time. And it doesn't mean that those insecurities aren't there. But as just as a human being and as, as a creative, I've just, I'm just I'm happy where I'm at right now. There's some things I would like to have changed. But that's sort of been a hard one, and I think it's a hard place to come to. I mean, I get my fear and my insecurities that come up all, all the time, and sometimes it manifests itself for me in procrastination, delaying things, like mm-hmm. you said, putting things off. But I've been thinking that some of the things that I've procrastinated about when I think about them were things I really didn't want to be doing, but I thought I should be doing them. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Oh, you just hit something. You yeah, know? yeah, me too. Yeah. So like, sometimes that fear has yes. been like, it's been a good, but just because I wasn't able to diver- differentiate. Yeah. So I want you guys to sort of talk about that I- that idea. About procrastination? The, of, the whole of idea, the you know, that fear, the procrast- fear manifesting itself in procrastination, but differentiating between things you really sort of want to do and, and fear being a way of saying, giving you the excuse not to do something you really don't want to do. Like well, for me, anything in cards accounting in terms of money, <laughs> I will endlessly procrastinate about just because I feel very ill-equipped to be able to do it. And even when I do do it, I find myself just making mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know how they have mm-hmm. dyslexia for words? I, mean, yeah. I, I think I may have dyslexia when it comes to numbers. I think I do too. Because yeah, I, I hear you. I'm supposed to, I'm in a men's group and I'm the treasurer this year. And every time I go to do the spreadsheet, I'm always finding my numbers off. And no matter how many times I mm. think I'm doing it right, and it just throws me back to when mm-hmm. I was in elementary school and or high school, junior high school, doing math yeah. and getting the first formulas or whatever right and then at some point I start doing things wrong and just feeling at a complete loss and that sort of has just extended to my life now that's why I want let my wife <laughs> do the numbers but, and then there's this inner monologue that tells you you're you know right. gonna mess it up and then you but I took on the challenge in my men's group to do the accounting that's just to good. say okay I'm uncomfortable doing this and I'm just gonna try and do it anyway but normally it was just like okay I'll just sort of delay it yeah. But there are other things that I feel the fear, I procrastinate about, but I really want to do, but that fear has me by, by the throat. So I think there's just two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm asking you two things, but you, know, you can respond in whatever way you want. Well, I mean, procrastination's, I think, the, the, the catchphrase of every artist I've ever met in some way. And we all have our weaknesses. Mine, numbers, I think we all share that. I think... Procrastination is, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's, 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 uh, no, I'm blanking all of a sudden. I yeah, please in, yeah. take it. Go so, save me, Sam. <laughs> okay. This is, this is a really hard question. It is. <laughs> Even harder than the last one where I was like so vulnerable and I'm like, here's my biggest failure. I find the projects like Fear of Dreaming super exhausting. Not, um, not this part of it. This is the fun part, you know, getting to sit down and talk about your work and in the, the exhibition that we did on the night was, oh my gosh, my favorite night ever. But, the getting to that shot 
I find it really, really exhausting because I just put so much into it. Um, I did another project. It is a personal project and it's totally not finished yet. And this is to the point, right? It's uh, called Everyone Loves Luciano, my dog Luciano, and everyone loves him, you know, and I want to take my camera out and photograph 24-7 of people interacting with Luciano. I love it. I've started it a million times and I have about 10 pictures to show and maybe one picture that's good, you know? So that is a fear I have that I really want to do this project. It's important to me. He's getting, he's eight years old now. He's, you know, hopefully got another 25 years in his life, but realistically not Mm. so. And I am going to maybe be back on your show someday talking about that being my biggest failure because I didn't do it. You know, like if I don't, Mm. if I don't take action. And it's so hard for me. And as much as I love people and I love talking to people, I'm very extroverted. I find it really, really hard to have my dog and my camera and make good, in my mind, make good pictures that are worthwhile making. And I can hear myself coaching my own self right now saying, (laughs) just take the picture, just take the picture. Don't, don't prejudge it, you know, but you know, this fear of failure. What if I bring my camera out and I've got Luciano and I I make a bad picture and it's just, it's ridiculous. So that is something that I really want to do. I really need to do this. And time is of the essence because he's a subject that's eight years old. Um, Senior sprightly man. (laughs) He doesn't jump like like one though. I know, he jumps like he's, (laughs) I know. He's a young man. (laughs) So that's that's something for me creatively that the fear of wanting to do it, but the fear at the same, it's like wrapped together. You know, it's, it's, they're not two separate things like accounting, you know, it's, it's wrapped together where I, I want to make these pictures. I want to make this work and I've done it a few times and it's always been positive. Again, people have clapped and applauded, yeah. blah, blah, but maybe I'm not happy with the results. Maybe it's just uncomfortable for me to like really try to take the time to do it. So, yeah. Yeah. And I was reading that, that in an explanation of procrastination is, is really a, a means of stress relief hmm. you know, by finding some other thing to do mm-hmm. whether it's like watching youtube videos playing a video game washing the dishes is that your anxiety builds up to the point that finding a distraction is a way of being able to sort of Im- manage your emotions at that at that time so i've been looking at it in that way just so it isn't loaded with so much negativity right because i think part of when when i was pr- procrastinating in the past, it would just reinforce all the bad things I thought about myself. Mm. Yes. And then when I saw the procrastination, when I started thinking about procrastination just being another tool for me just to be able to get through these sort of difficult emotions and different moments, it was like, oh, okay, maybe it isn't, it isn't evidence of my of, of yeah. my defects. Yeah. My, you know? It's actually your body coping and managing the stress. Yeah. Right? That sounds wonderful. No, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I am subscribing to that philosophy. I, I know which one I'm choosing because it's really made it's made a difference yeah. for me because I'll recognize I'll recognize when I'm procrastinating. Yeah. And it gives me gives me a chance to think about, oh, is this something that I really want to do or not? Exactly. And if it's something that I really want to do, how can I break this up? into bite-sized pieces so that I can not have to look at the entire yeah, thing. Yeah, like writing a book. Yep. I mean, the way I managed to write my first book and every book subsequently was to think about each each chapter as a magazine article, which I'd had lots of experience oh, doing. <laughs> because when I first signed that contract for that first book, it was like a couple of <laughs> months before so I started writing because I was like, oh my God, i got to write a book. i got to write a book, i got to write a book. <laughs> And then I went, well, I've written magazine articles. Why don't I just look at it? It's yeah. just a magazine, each chapter's magazine article. Yeah. And I was like, 
Oh, yeah, I can do that. I had a track record for doing that. And that's how I got, got through it. And I continue to get through it. That's how I approach all my jobs now. Yeah. Even though it's still scary, but to break down, just break them down into tiny little nuggets. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I'm going to apply that for everyone loves Luciano. I'm going to do it in movements, you know, first movement, second movement, so on and so forth. I was forth. talking to some people yesterday, and they said the, the only time you really fail is when you don't try at all. Absolutely. And so you just, you just got you just got to do it. Yeah. Absolutely. Because you got to surrender to that, that, that idea that it has to be perfect. Yeah, there's this, uh, there's this um, thing that's been holding me back, and we explored uh, a little bit in Fear of Dreaming, but this idea of experimenting with light, which is something that's always daunted me because I've been surrounded by so many amazing cinematographers. So who the hell oh, am I, yeah. right? Who the hell am I, you know? So it's like I have avoided it even though I've all of the people who I love, all the people who I'm responding to, certainly images that I respond to are all very cinematic and, and lighting plays a big part. And I learned a lot in your class as well. But uh, uh, th- this year, to manage this, I've, I, I've decided rain, hail or shine, no matter what job I'm on, and I typically work long hours, I am shooting 50 portraits. That means finding a model, even if it's my wife, even it doesn't matter. And I'm going to light every one of these. And so far I'm way ahead of, way ahead of schedule. It's about one a week. And what I'm finding is <laughs> I look at those first couple that I did in January and it's embarrassing to me now and how far I've come. Mm-hmm. And I, I like to think about where I'm going to be mm-hmm. in, in six months time. But the idea of all I have to worry about is one light in this shot, in this, in today's shoot. And then maybe in a month's time, maybe I'll t- use two lights. Maybe if I, if, you know, if I'm ready, you know, the idea of, of these tiny little bite-sized chunks to get you through a project or a, you know, to grow. And uh, yeah, it helps. Your portraiture is looking amazing, by the way. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I'm enjoying, <laughs> I'm enjoying seeing the growth, you know. Thank I, you. I really, the one you did that you posted, um, Josh, wait, Christina. The Joshua Tree, yeah. Oh, yeah, the Joshua, the music fan. The, the, that lighting about, was amazing. Oh, thanks. I, I, I'm experimenting a lot uh, with, with that stuff at the moment. And it's, um, it's rewarding because when I went out on the day that you're talking about, it was to shoot an album cover, another, another situation where I'm just throwing myself in the deep end. I have no idea. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, but it's, uh, it's like, okay, well, if I did know what I'm doing, how the hell would I approach this uh, with simplicity and without, <laughs> and without, without a budget and without, you know, the bells and whistles. This was for a friend's album cover. It was like I saw it as an opportunity to – to do a project that was actually going to be seen by someone, even if it was two people. And so uh, I went out there with what I did know and what I found was all the rules got thrown the hell out the window the second I got out on location. And what I found was as I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm trying to problem solve and I have that tense moment where I'm like, oh, God, this is not going to work, the subconscious starts kicking mm-hmm. in and it's like, well, I know this is not going to work, but just try it. And sure enough, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And sure enough, something happens. It's like, oh, I don't like that. But what if I did this? Yeah. That's 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 what I'm trying to embrace at the moment. This idea of, of of little little shoots with less pressure that that allow you to grow in a bigger way. You know, I think yeah. that pursuit for constant growth is something that we probably all share in this room. You know, we all want to grow. We all want to improve and get better and discover and not just sit with our laurels. You know, but keep making new things or, you know, and and also that idea of practice, right? Where you've practiced something so many times so that when you get into the moment, 
that all goes out the window or there's forces of nature that come through that you didn't expect and you can just respond. Help the Candid Frame to continue bringing you great conversations with some of the world's best photographers. You can do this by supporting our Patreon effort by committing as little as $5 or more a month. When you do this, you not only help us to meet the cost of production, but provide us the time and resources we need to bring you conversations you won't hear anywhere else. Sign up today by visiting patreon.com forward slash the candid frame. Thank you. And I love what you just said about that idea of if I knew what I was doing, what would I do? I mean, really, that is... Isn't it amazing how the brain kicks in, though, mm-hmm. when, when you say that and when you ask that question? There was someone I was watching, I think it, someone was speaking, and they were asking about, and it may have been someone I interviewed or I was watching something, and they were talking about like documentary projects, and they would ask people, well, what, do you have an idea? And they said, no, I don't have an idea. I said, well, if you did have an idea, what would it be? <laughs> yeah. And then they, then they said that they would answer the question at that point. And I think it's part of that, that first initial barrier is thinking about what you don't know and obsessing that, oh, I don't know how to do this right. or I don't know this. But if you're pressed, yeah. you go through, well, with what I do know, what would do I think would be the solution? And then the application of it, trying to do it, exactly. that puts you into the process of problem solving. And then you start getting the gears going but until you move past that, I don't know, and because being in that right. space of I don't know is a space of complete paralysis. Right, you can't move forward. There's a lot to be said for momentum. Yes. A lot to be said for momentum, yep. and that goes for anything you're doing, right? Oh. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. a lot to be said for momentum for sure. Yeah. So did you guys, when you guys were kids, did you see yourselves as fearful kids Definitely no. not. Oh, in uh, both of us. Oh, hey, wow. Hey, right, look at that. Okay, tell not me about that. Not in a little bit at all. I oh, mean, me the ham, every picture that anybody's in, I'm in the background <laughs> photobombing before photobombing was a thing. I was the ham. I mean, I was fearless, like on stage, fearless in sports, fearless in travel, fearless in school. Yeah, yeah right completely on. fearless. Friends with every different group of people, friends with you know, which is still a lot of those things are today, but just fearlessly doing it. A hundred percent fearless. I was, I was introverted in a lot of ways, but I was fearless in a lot of ways. Physically, I was fearless. My mother thought I was going to grow up to be a stuntman. So did my sister. I'd do crazy stuff, you know, and I would, I would constantly be just trying things physically and, 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 and being out there where I did shut down was people. If I didn't know people, it's still true to a lot of degrees these days. If I don't know people, I, I, I'm a bit introverted that way, which is interesting that we, mm-hmm. <laughs> that Sarah and I work together as, you know, she's so extroverted, I'm quite introverted. But there, there was definitely a fearlessness there, for sure. So, so when did you start becoming aware of fear to the point that you realized that it was uh, a hurdle? For, for me, it was this idea of the time thing that I was talking about before. I think when you decide, I don't know when it was, what age, but... When I decided, oh, I won't do this thing because maybe I'll, maybe it won't work out, that starts piling up, 
you say that once and then it says it makes it easier to say that to yourself the next time and you mm-hmm. don't do something again and then you don't do something again and you don't do something yeah. again right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you are wondering why things aren't working out and you don't feel great about yourself and you don't necessarily know why and then one day you might create something just out of some other form of momentum or or just out of pure luck or whatever it is maybe you just have a good day and and you start to realize oh it takes me doing something, <laughs> mm. even if it's just a small thing to, uh, you know, to create. Mm. How about you? Um, I think it started in and around university. Um, I think that there's healthy competition and then there's very unhealthy competition. And I think right now where I'm at in my life and actually for, yeah, right now where I'm at in my life, there's, I'm surrounded by wonderful people, you know, wonderful photographers, wonderful sense of community. Somebody said to me once, the best way that you're going to get work as a photographer is through another photographer. It's not a manager. It's not an agency. It's through your friends who are photographers who see your work and they like you and they stand up for you and they root for you and they support you, you know, and I found that to be very, very true in university. It was not like that. Unfortunately, it was very much like watch your back. <laughs> you know, um, I started with, I don't know, don't quote the numbers, but it say 85, you know, mu- maybe it was less than 60 musical theater majors. We graduated with about 19. It was cut, 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 you know, very ruthless, very rough, very break yourself down to build yourself up again. Uh, So, you know, um, I mean, I am appreciative of my undergrad education, but I think that, you know, all of my acting friends, theater friends from college, many, many of them feel the same way about that, you know, situation. And unfortunately, I think that's when you started to like, I have, I always have these like, you know, Adam and Eve moments, you know, where you suddenly realize you're in the garden naked and, you know, and it, you're exposed mm-hmm. and you, you don't have shelter and you don't have cover, you know, that I think that was around the time that I started to, my naivety started to come off, you know, unfortunately. And it takes a long time to build that back up. Yeah. Be conscious of it too, right? Yeah. And, you know, and I'm very aware, very aware of I say it all like often, you know, oh, this is an Adam and Eve moment. <laughs> this is a moment where I'm in the garden, you know, my naivety is off. I can see like exposure and maybe some hostility around. And it's just like, it's an uncovering of like, it's a loss of innocence, you know, which is a shame, you know, cause I like to be <laughs> innocent and like working in a happy bubble, you know, in a happy world. So, um, you know, it, it just takes time. It took time to get back from that, but it's okay. Yeah. I graduated. <laughs> I made it through. <laughs> and here you are. And here I am. Yeah. No, it's okay. But it's just, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, that was probably the time when I started to become much more fearful and aware that you had to, like, there was politics and there was games and there, you know, it's not just about the work. Yeah. That's great. Because I was fearful from a little kid. Were you? Yeah. And so that sort of pervaded so much, especially my relationships with, with people. Mm. It's only in the last maybe 10 or so years that I've gotten comfortable in my own skin and feel like I can hold my own and that I'm sort of okay. But I think that I wasn't as bold as I would like to think I am now. 
You know? <laughs> with a red shirt you've not got that on your superhero. Uh, not that I'm going to jump out of a plane which my goddaughter did a couple of months ago. I just very go, oh cool. my God, she's like 18 and she very jumped out of a plane cool. and I was just like, good for you. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm there yet. Her, her, her dad has been encouraging me to do it and I'm like, oh, you should do it. Yeah, you do should it. do it. Did you, yeah. have you done it? I've done it. And me it too. was uh, one piece of advice uh, for you and the listeners is- Use the uh, bathroom before? Yes, there's that. And also don't just- I, I had the mistake of waking up and going to a nearby airport and just doing it first thing in the morning. So you go from yawning first thing in the morning to your heart going <laughs> a thousand miles an hour. I almost, oh I almost, uh, I almost vomited in the middle of the air. Oh it was, it God. took my tandem instructor to say, "No, no, don't do that. Oh gosh. you might kill somebody." Oh my, yeah. oh, my <laughs> oh gosh! But it was, it was amazing experience. I had such a it. strange experience where I um, suddenly could not stop cursing out of nowhere. <laughs> I just, blah, 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 blah. and then I started singing. Like I just started singing arias over Lake Taupo in New Zealand. That is fantastic. And it was like, and then we landed and then I like fell asleep for about 24 hours. <laughs> I think it was the adrenaline just. It's like a scene out of a movie. It was crazy. I mean, my, yeah, because your adrenaline is so amped up, you know. So what's the boldest thing you've ever done? Where people would just go, they can't believe that, not just you, that anybody would just... Sort of I can tell you the stupidest thing I've ever done. <laughs> oh, yeah. Getting, Yay, let's um, hear it. That, that would take another hour. What was her name? My wife's always listening. Let's just um, We no. love you, Christina. <laughs> Shout out to Christina. No, I um, when I was a kid speaking to this idea of everyone thought I was going to be a stuntman, I didn't even know how old I was. Maybe I was seven. Uh, my 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 family lived in a high rise in uh, Australia's Gold Coast, and uh, I'm sure everyone can visualise. You've got the window to a high rise with no balcony, but you've got this tiny little windowsill that kind of goes around the building. Mm-hmm. I jumped out on that thing and I was running around it, and this thing must have been a couple of feet wide. And I'm just running around it. Didn't think a thing of it. If I'd slipped, if a, a gust of wind had blown, I would have. Whew, Fallen to my oh death. my goodness, that's terrifying! And the wor- yeah, I mean, it was just nuts. I mean, uh, we can spend an hour in therapy talking about this <laughs> later on. I guess. Yeah. What about you? Um, what is the? I mean, I guess I'm just known for traveling. You know, like packing up my bags and moving overseas. And yeah, because you were around. You were in Australia, New Zealand, mm-hmm, London. Yep. Moved out here across the country by myself with my three animals in my car, drove all the way across the country. I have to say I'm very proud of that because I am not a driver. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't get one speeding ticket. I didn't have, you know, my animals all arrived safely with me. (laughs) That's very cool. Yeah. (laughs) So another fear that people have is, is sharing the work. It's one thing to create it. So I know you guys were working hard on that, you know, that pop-up show that you guys did, but tell me about, the feelings leading up to that and how you felt that night. Oh my goodness. I think it helped that we were doing it together. Yes. Sarah was the main, she, she was amazing oh, setting thanks. that. Yeah. That was, that was really something that she had a vision for the show. And for me, I just tried not to think about it, which is what I tend to do before something that terrifies me um, these days anyway. But I think the hour before the show, I, I just went into this weird Zen place where I was just like, Oh my God. It's happening. Like people are going to see this, and they're going to have that fake LA smile thing that they do. Oh, that's mm-hmm. lovely! It's great work, you know. 
And I'd have to deal with that and me being quite introverted. I, I thought, how am I going to deal with this? How am I going to shut? I'm going to shut down. And then I realized, okay, well, thank God I have someone here mm-hmm. that if things go <laughs> south. <laughs> We're going I, together. Yeah. Hey, Sarah, let's uh, have a chat out the back yeah. so I can cry. Um, <laughs> but no, it was, it was a little scary. Um, but it was also encouraging to know that we'd done it. Yes. Wasn't it? It was the Seeing best that night. Work go up. It was so much fun. It was. It was so much fun. You know, the, the process of getting there. I think once you go into execution mode, once I go into execution mode, yes, there's fear, but it's like, okay, we're moving forward. You know, once we committed, back to Sasha's point about getting into situations that you can't pull out of. So we put the down payment on the pop-up space. We bought the books. <laughs> we printed the books. We sent out invites. I mean, the day that we actually sent out, you know, you got yeah. an email, was sending that email to you and sending the email to everybody else. It was like, okay, we cannot pull out of this. This is happening, you know? It's, it's the fear to do it, to hit the send button is terrifying, you know? Because you're literally putting yourself out there and you, uh, all the fears, I mean, I, the voice in my head, actually my friend JD, who was there on the night, he flew in from New York to help us. Um, he's a friend from college. He's made me name this voice now that talks to me, <laughs> the, <laughs> the evil one, like okay. that says, nobody's going to turn up. This is going to be bearable. You know, they're going to laugh. Like, What's who are you to name? do this? Well, I don't want to offend okay, the names okay, of okay, these okay. people no, out there. Please, okay. please, you got to share it. Okay. Intru- it'll hurt. okay, I love anybody named Victoria, but my name is Victoria. I could see that. Right? Sure, yeah. It's a Victoria. So JD will be, JD is going to listen to this, I'm sure. So, ha, JD. JD <laughs> he'll be like, thanks, buddy. I know. Thanks, love. He's like, tell Victoria to shut the heck up, you know? <laughs> so it's true. So I catch myself now. Like, that's Victoria talking, you know? Uh, that's but, Victoria talking. But what a relief. When yeah. we when we when we finally open the doors, right? Oh, so yeah. And in terms of getting there, you know, we had some amazing help on the night, we like did. hanging. You know, we thought we knew. Well, actually, we didn't. We knew we didn't know how we were going to hang the show. We mm. were like, so we got the show. People coming we'll in know four what hours. We get in the space, right? <laughs> That's exactly mark. what we said. Yeah. And we had somebody come in. Ellen came in and helped us because she's got a great eye for laying things out and. And, and having a third party there that was a bit neutral because obviously our tensions were like, yeah. and we and we did food, we did you know home catering, you know we'd been up all night cooking all this food for everybody. So we've got like the team laying out the food, and then we've got to hang the show, and then we put in an exhibition as well, like an installation, which I would love to talk about if we have time. But yeah, the installation was really really important to the show as well, and so we had all this stuff going on, and we had about what four four hours to. Do yeah. it in so. Well, tell us about the installation. Um, okay, so thanks. So, because of the end of the beginning, right? Fear is always at your back. Fear is always around the corner. Fear is always going to be there. It's part of life. We wanted to have um, a big the word fear written on the wall. So we did that, and then, but we also wanted it to be covered up, right? So we had this white chiffon material that we hung from the ceilings, and we created this drape around that people had to actually walk through. So fear was not Mm. just there in the black and yellow that we've got in the book, um, but it is covered because sometimes it is. And and then we, in the middle of the room, had a vellum type, vegan vellum type paper that people could write on what their fear was, what they were afraid of, or how they overcame their fear. And so it started a conversation and a dialogue and people could walk through this curtain this, you know, tangled up, you know, beautiful, beautiful flowing material, but tangled up and they could walk through into this private space where they could put their fear and cover up fear with this more translucent type paper. 
but yet share their fear with the world. And so that by the end of the night, this black and gold fear that was so just bold. bold right. Thank you. Yes. I was looking for the word and, and to have it at your back, but covered up with this beautiful paper of people's who came to support us and see the show, their fears, fear was still there, but it was one more step removed. It was one step further away from attacking us in that night. It was surprising to see how many people were actually genuine with it too. Absolutely. Um, there was uh, there was this, um, I mean, you go to some of these sorts of uh, interactive things and people don't, don't take it seriously or they're embarrassed or whatever it was, but a lot of people actually dug deep and, and wrote some real <laughs> fears. Yeah, down. somebody said that, you know, their fear was afraid of them dying be- or their kids dying before them. Mm. You know, somebody, many people wrote about fear of um, not having enough money to survive. Really heavy stuff. And, you know, not only, it didn't stop there. People actually talked about it. People on the night, you know, were all dressed up and it's like a hype, hype, hype. And people were really talking to me about fear, like what they were afraid of and thanking me and thanking Sasha for having this opportunity to like express themselves. Somebody said that they had never, ever, ever said what they were truly afraid of. And they did it on the night. Wow. Yeah. And it's a conversation, you know, that... It is scary. I mean, me revealing just now on this podcast, like what my biggest failure was, like that's huge. I'm probably going to go home and be like, I can't believe I said that. But (laughs) But it's like you have to walk the walk and talk the talk, right? If you want people to participate and you want people to engage with you, you have to be, I have to be vulnerable back. And, um, and it's, I found it to be a huge responsibility as well, you know, because people actually emailed me. One person had emailed me that their parent, I can't remember if it was, I think it was their father had passed recently and that they were struggling, you know, and it, it was maybe actually about a different project, but it was very much in the same fashion of being vulnerable and the, and the fear of how you deal with these things and just getting it out there. And sometimes it's very cathartic, I think. Yeah. I guess Western culture, this this myth of being fearless is considered the ideal. We see it all the time mm-hmm. in movies and films. These people who don't feel fear, they just do these amazing things, and <laughs> and they just don't feel it. And it's like, well, that's not that's a psychopath. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. it's a psychopath. It's yeah, a definition of a psychopath. <laughs> you know, but, but yeah. I think most people have to go through yeah. feeling fear and moving through it. It's how you grow, you know, I mean, artistically, as well as just as a human being, you know, like I've been told so many times, you cannot avoid like your feelings, you have to walk through them in order to get to the other side. And so there's all sorts of distractions to avoid, you know, which I do, but better when I actually just sit and think and like, you know, absorb and say, this is just a feeling. This is, I'm acknowledging my feeling of fear. And eventually that feeling will go away. You know, obviously there's take, take action and there's things you can do to help move past it. But I think if you, if I don't acknowledge it, it's, I'm not being authentic. Yeah. And there's certainly a lot to acknowledge when you're doing this sort of work. Mm -hmm. Um, Someone once said a phrase to me and I've got it on repeat in my head all the time. It's fear is good because fear prepares you. Mm. And I thought, wow, it's like, it's like, yeah, it's if you're feeling too comfortable or if you're not feeling fear, then, you know, you're probably not digging deep. You know, fear has a way of kind of making you really find that part of yourself that gives and and does what needs to be done to grow. I had this really wonderful moment at the show as well where I 
I don't know how to say it out loud, but basically um, I'd been to visit my family in Connecticut a couple weeks beforehand. See, my family hadn't seen them in a, a while and uh, gave them a copy of the book. You know, it was a great, you know, session. I each, you know, we had family books to give out. So I gave my, my dad and my stepmom and my brother a copy. Anyway, three weeks later, we're at the show. My dad was calling me. He's like, where are you? I'm like, Actually, he's like, what are your plans for the day? I'm like, well, my plans for the day are, you know, here's the condensed version. (laughs) Going to do a show, get my hair done, and then set up for the show, and there we go. Well, he took that as I was going to go home to get my hair done. So anyway, he surprised me. He flew in (laughs) from Connecticut, had about, he missed his flight, ended up three different connections, and went all over the country, but ended up at LAX. Went to my place at the time I lived in Manhattan Beach, thinking I was there. Turned Mm -hmm. up at my door. Of course, I'm not there. I'm up in Hollywood. (laughs) And... Anyway, you know, I'm, uh, I'm at the, and so I tried calling him. He called me and I'm like, dad, I'm getting my hair done. There's a hairdryer in the background. You know, I'm like, can I call you later? And I, I always try to answer my dad's call. You know, it's just like the thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, I say, I'll call you later. So he, then he doesn't answer and I call him back and I'm like, we're five minutes from the show starting. We're opening the doors. And so I think I, I sent him a FaceTime picture or something. And anyway, the show's opening and I was like kind of sad like that my family wasn't able to partake in this you know well turns out I'm talking to somebody <laughs> I turn around and my dad is standing in a suit all dressed up mm. in his like suit he was suit. the best dressed guy <laughs> he was the best dressed guy <laughs> and I turn around and there's my dad and I just said dad <laughs> I was so confused but it was the best it was the best gift like, there was there was a lot of support there was a lot of support yes. from a lot of people yep. at that show and and it was it was really touching that's yeah. one of those things that makes it all worth it like I was saying you know like the the end game makes it so yeah. happy you know so happy to see so many people pitching in and that that feeling of exhilaration yes. of satisfaction when you balance it out to how you felt with respect to the fear you realize that this is why you do it exactly yes, absolutely exactly. the thing is you have to create those moments for yourself even if they're relatively small yep. even if it's just the satisfaction of just getting out and shooting that day and making a good picture mm-hmm. because you need those moments to sort of build on each other because the more you the more you don't do the, each time you make a choice not to do something yes. that builds the fear. Uh, that just builds the fear. Yes. yes. So it's why it's why the action is absolutely yeah. sort of necessary. Because every day that you procrastinate or you delay doing something or you choose not to do it or allow whatever excuse to keep you from doing it, you're building something. You are. You Don't you say in your class, like, you just need to get out there and click the button a couple of times yeah. before, you know? It's so true. Just, just got to get in the mechanics of it. Yep. Well, you guys know the last question. <laughs> I always ask uh, for a listener for you to recommend a photographer that you have admired that you recently or you recently discovered. Let me ask that again. I've been asking this thing for 13 years. My last question is I ask each photographer to recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore, and it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or recently discovered. So who would that one photographer be and why? Sasha, you go first. Uh, well, for me, I've, uh, I discovered her a few years ago, Olivia B, B-E, like as in the buzzing yeah. B. Mm-hmm. I, I discovered her a few years ago by accident and I've just been finding myself constantly clicking on her website lately and I, I don't know why specifically other than I just really love the energy that comes through in those photos. And, um, yeah, there's just something I, I viscerally respond to with her work. I love her. Olivia B, check her out. 
How about you? Well, I have recently discovered Ellen Friedlander. I love her extended framework. I think it's amazing. The travel, the way she puts that together. Um, I had personally never seen extended frame work like that before. So that was a new discovery for me. Her eye, I love the way she sees. I think she's got a real, I don't know, finesse to the way she sees, a a gentleness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got a chance to Check look at her portfolio a couple of weeks ago, and she, yes, I completely agree. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's so shout great. out to Ellen. Yeah, shout out to Ellen. <laughs> hey, Ellen. <laughs> Yay, um, we love you. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. Thank you. Very nice. Fun, but you gotta, you gotta sing us out. So, uh, oh, I'm gonna brace myself for this. All right. John Selfie, il momento che godrò senza fanno in braccio al mio. Timidi corri, uscite dal mio petto, a turbar non venite mio diletto. Oh, come par, chi ha l'amor rosso fuoco, la venita del loco, la terra, io ci risponda, come la notte. I forti seconda. All right. Yeah. <laughs> That's better than I would do. Oh, <laughs> let's hear it. Let's try. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks to Sasha and Sarah for sharing their time and story with us. You can find out more about them and their work by visiting sarahmarierooney.com and sashadillonbell.com. To be the voice that introduces the episode like Ryan Katsanis did this week, just send us an audio file recorded on your phone, tablet, or computer saying something like, this is Chauncey Gardner from Washington, D.C., and this is The Candid Frame. Say it at least a couple of times so we have something to choose from and include three to four seconds of silence with your voice to help us clean up the audio. Also, make sure to include a link to your website, blog, or Instagram feed when you send it to info at thecandidframe.com. I have a variety of workshops I'm leading in the coming months, including one next week in Washington, D.C. at the Focus on the Story Photo Festival, a two-day workshop in June at the Los Angeles Center of Photography, and a week-long cultural experience in Tokyo, Japan. We've also added a workshop in Vancouver, Canada in August, which I'll be teaching alongside one of my favorite photographers, Olaf Staba. Sign up soon as spaces are limited. And if you want to get a sense of my teaching style and approach to photography, you should check out my YouTube channel, where I offer critiques and evaluations of photography submitted by TCF listeners who contribute to the Candid Frame Flickr poll. You can check out the TCF Flickr poll and our YouTube channel by clicking on the link in the show notes and the website. My recent book, Making Photographs, Developing a Personal Visual Workflow, is available. You can purchase it today and receive 40% off the list price when you order it from the Rocky Nook website. Use the promo code PORELLO40 at checkout to take advantage of that discount. And if you want to keep up with all things Candid Frame, sign up for our mailing list and you'll receive three free copies of my previously published ebooks. And if you like what you've been hearing on the show, 
please take the time to write a review in the iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast Store, or wherever you find and listen to podcasts. And if you write a review on a blog post, let me know and send me a link because I would really like to thank you on air. You can also support the show by making a monthly contribution through Patreon, or you can make a one-time contribution via PayPal. You'll find links for both in the show notes and the website. Thanks to Timothy Floyd and Sergey Schindemann for their recent contributions. And if you want to easily access every episode of The Candid Frame, download The Candid Frame app. It's available for both Apple iOS and Android, and it's free. Download it today. You'll find it where everything else is in the show notes or the website at thecandidframe.com. Also, we have an Alexa app, so if you have one of those smart devices, download the skill and listen to the show that way. The Candor Frame's audio engineer is Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. The show's senior producer is Cynthia Parker, and our music is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame.